Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Potty on the Potty, a podcast about navigating young adulthood with a focus on the mind-body connection. I'm your host, Sam, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist in Connecticut. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to find your people, um, the people that have your best interests at heart. Um, so I'm going to outline that for you. I'm going to talk about the importance of these connections and be sure to stick around until the end where I'll give tangible ways to find these people and these communities. So if you're new here, my name is Sam. I make weekly podcasts on striving for physical and mental well-being as young adults. So if you're into any of that, consider following this podcast. And if you follow this podcast, you get the added benefit of being, I believe, notified when we have new episodes. And they publish every Thursday at just before 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I did that because um, for my, at least for my East Coast people, um, wanted to make sure that this episode was ready for you for your morning commute. Um, if you do work a nine to five and you have about, at least if you have um, a half an hour or less commute, and then if you live, usually, I mean, if you live anywhere else in the U.S., I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, it's released even earlier in the morning. So it will still be ready for your morning on Thursdays. All right. I wanted to get started just by kind of circling back to our last episode. I know I talked about, if you haven't listened yet, please go listen if you are interested in the following, basically kind of talking about um, the first steps and first considerations for nervous system healing and specifically doing things that nurture your nervous system and that feel natural to you. And from there, you can build up a tolerance and build up resilience. And, uh, you know, really important not to like push yourself and challenge yourself right off the bat. And so I wanted to give an example that I kind of left out. I forgot to mention it, but the example that um, I kind of stumbled upon was the idea of taking an easier job and then kind of moving up from there. So uh, so some, not necessarily easier, but just something that's like comes more naturally to you. So uh, I guess, for example, working from home. So if you find that working from home is very comfortable for you, um, great. You can work for ho- from home the rest of your life if, if that's accessible to you. Uh, but you are not do like you're not locked into that. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is that within this example, if working from home works for you right now, it doesn't mean that you always have to work from home if you don't want to. If your end goal is to like go back to the office, for example, then uh, that's definitely something that can be in the cards down the road. Um, but, you know, it's m- very much about working from home, 
finding your triggers even within that work environment, um, using techniques and, and reaching out to people to calm your nervous system and, you know, kind of learn more about yourself and, and, and how you function within that setting before, you know, maybe then you'll go to hybrid, right? So you'll work from home some days and then you'll go into the office some days and you'll realize your triggers in that environment, in, in the office setting, and you'll be able to like find ways to cope with those triggers at, at the office setting. And then if you want to, if it feels right, going back to fully in person or working in an office setting um, with that newfound resilience. So I've gotten some feedback from people that it can be helpful to circle back and either correct myself or like add things and kind of tie things together. Um, so that also helped me kind of check a box, right? I wanted to make sure that I added that because I felt like it was a pretty good example that I stumbled upon. All right, so moving right into finding safe people in adulthood. And the reason why I mention adulthood is that it's obviously more convoluted, I think is the word, to find people and make friends in adulthood, especially in the digital age, in like this day and age where um, a lot of times we are making new friends and connecting with potential partners online. Um, you know, it just adds a whole nother layer of like, okay, how do I go about doing this? And, you know, that's not to say that it's not hard to make friends for some of us in our childhood. Like that was very much some of our reality. Um, but I am today focusing on adulthood because I know that that's most of my audience and I know that there's just kind of like a different challenge, let's say. So we will talk about logistics later on. For now, I wanted to talk about the importance of having relationships and community. So our species um, used to, it used to be very normal and common for us to live in tribes and in communities. And there are still some cultures where that's normal. And um, there are definitely, you know, challenges with that, but there are also many, many benefits. And in, so I live in the U.S. and I think most of my listeners live in the U.S. Um, having that, having that, you know, tribe or sense of community is not like necessarily how we were raised. It's not like for some of us, I guess. I mean, I, I think of people that are religious and um, grew up going to church. And if that's something that is still your truth and is still something that you're a part of, then uh, perhaps this does not apply. But I think for a lot of us, there's this um, individualism where, you know, yes, we're part of uh, maybe some sort of family growing up. And then um, as we, you know, grow up and, and <laughs> get aged towards the age of 18, it's um, normalized for us to, quote unquote, go out on our own. Um, and I mean, even just like saying that sounds scary. It's like, oh, poor, poor 18 year olds, like you have to kind of 
go out on your own and like make mistakes like that sounds shitty um, but it's also I think a lot of people are just ready to branch out uh, but that's not to say that we shouldn't be normalizing branching out and moving from one home to another right so it's I think there's like this very there's this pressure to move out of your family's of origins home and then like go get an apartment by yourself, for example, or, you know, you have roommates, but, um, you know, you're not living with family. You're not living with friends, uh, necessarily. And so normalizing like, or just kind of talking about how that's, that's kind of a shock to the nervous system. Even if it's fun, even if it's fun or exciting for some people, it's definitely a huge, huge transition. So I have a lot to talk through. I'm just going to kind of move along with, uh, with this content, but, um, I just wanted to also, yeah, I just wanted to basically say that there's nothing wrong with, with not wanting to be alone and like, feeling lonely and feeling scared in that like in between or in that transition phase and I also wanted to mention that I think recently we've been overusing the term codependency when we're just referring to like mutual need and support from friends from community from mentors from you know family as well um, from partners. And if you are, if I, if I just said that and, and now you're like, well, what is codependency? Am, am I codependent or not? I thought I was. Um, and if you want me to do an episode on that, please let me know. I'm on Instagram and my handle is samantha.j.kurt. My last name is spelled C-U-R-T. So feel free to send me a DM on there and let me know if you're interested in that episode on what codependency is. And if you're listening to this episode and you're interested in learning about specifically how to find safe people and become part of a supportive community, then I'm guessing you may have experience with unsafe relationships or people who don't necessarily have your best interests at heart, excuse me, people who have maybe a hidden agenda in the relationship, which we'll talk about, you know, that's, that's a big no, no. <laughs> I was trying to think of another phrase, but I just, it just felt natural to say a big no, no. So I apologize. Um, you may have experience with people who care, like you can tell that they care more about themselves than about you and, and having that kind of like mutuality. And I just want to say that like, that doesn't like, if you find that you're attracted to, to people that aren't, aren't, aren't good for you, right? That that's nothing, that's nothing to say. It doesn't say as much about you and like what you lack as it says that we are attracted to the familiar. And I'll repeat that again. We are attracted to the familiar. And that makes a lot of sense, right? So it's scary to find something new, to look for something new, to be in something new. Um, 
I think of the word homeostasis, which is essentially like within some sort of system, there's a balance. And so when you start to imbalance it, even if it's for your own good, even if it's like the healthy thing to do, it feels like a shock to the system and it's going to want to rebalance itself. So I'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about this example, right? So if, if we uh, are so used to being bullied or if we're so used to, you know, dysfunctional systems, then we're going to look for things that feel familiar and it's going to be very, you know, it's going to be a process to unlearn that and, and look for something new and to even be comfortable looking for something new. So, you know, if you're in this situation where like all you know is unsafe relationships or you're just, you have, you identify with what I just said about being attracted to people that aren't necessarily great for you or for, you know, how you want to live your life, then, um, you know, try to release that shame of like, oh, well, my picker is broken. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but I've heard that recently. It's like when people are like talking about how they're always attracted to the wrong person. I think, I think that's the phrase. And they say like, my, my picker is broken. (laughs) Like as if they're picking the wrong partner. But anyways, yeah, so you might identify with that. You might identify with being attracted to the familiar. And an example of that is authority figures. So either you have negative experience with authority figures, be it teachers, parents, religious authority figures, um, you know, any other family members that were, you know, you had to look up to as an authority and, you know, those relationships were, uh, inconsistent or unsafe or, um, just negative in some way, then, you know, you might relate to what I'm saying right now and you either, I don't know, I'm basically just putting out examples, um, but, You may have a fear of authority. You may just, you know, have a hard time trusting authority figures. Um, Maybe you are attracted to the familiar and you seek out these authority figures and you try to prove yourself to them. But, um, you know, if they were rejecting in some way the, the original authority figures in your life, maybe the people that you're seeking out are also critical and, and rejecting in some way. So just kind of something to think about and reflect on within yourself and your life. Um, so now we're going to talk about what a safe person looks like. So the, the main things that come to my mind, and these are sort of universal more so, are mutual interest or care. You're going to hear me say the word mutual a lot. So Mutual basically means it goes two ways. Like you are interested in this person and they have some sort of interest in you as well. Um, Interest slash care. So a reason to care about you and you have a reason to care about them. Mutual respect is so, so foundational. And mutual support. So safe people in our lives... um, you know, 
they can start out as acquaintances, but in order to get to that place of like being like, oh, I can really rely on this person, there needs to be like a mutual openness and willingness to be vulnerable and ability to support each other. And so back to that word mutual, I think I think I would say that it's important that it's mutual overall. And so one person can give support in one way and and the other person can give support in a very different way, you know, especially if there is a power imbalance, if like it's an authority figure and and somebody that's looking up to that person, I think the support can look different. Actually, you know what? In a different episode, I might talk more about that because I don't necessarily think that that type of dynamic needs to be like equal or mutual, but let's kind of, let's talk about, I guess, peers. Let's talk about friends, um, chosen family members, or even family members that are like more so like a peer, like maybe it's your sibling or maybe it's your cousin, something like that. And so what I mean by overall mutual is that, you know, there can definitely be periods of time when one person needs more support than the other. And that's totally fine. And, and maybe that feels uncomfortable or maybe not, but, um, there's sort of like an understanding that that person has your back and then you'll have their back when the time comes. And something else I I guess the other thing I will say about what a safe person is going to look and feel like is on the more like person to person or individual level, like this is going to change depending on who you are. Um, Safe people. I'm sort of reading right now. I'm trying to figure out what I meant to say, but (laughs) I wrote, how do you know who is safe for you? what you need at a particular time in your life. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So this is going to be very much based on your inner child. So if you have found that you've strayed towards people that, you know, just aren't really a good fit for you in your life right now and where you want to go in life, I want you to look back at who you were like your earliest memories of yourself and kind of characteristics that you remember about yourself. So like that innocence and like what were your needs at that time before the world had such an impact on you, before the adults in your life, um, you know, tried their best but maybe felt short in meeting some of those needs. And so maybe it hardened you a little bit or it made you very like, scared and so from those places then recently you've been you've been reaching out and connecting with people that um aren't meeting those needs because you don't even know what you need right so it's going to be very much about looking looking back and and assessing your inner child and and your inner child is still part of you I want to make that clear Um, so what is that like innocent, raw, like part of you need right now? 
I want to give an example. So a lot of us, like when we go through adolescence and even early adulthood, we have this superficial picture of what our lives, what we want our lives to look like. And so then we end up surrounding ourselves with people that we think are going to nurture us in those ways and bring us towards what we think we want out of life. When really we are ignoring our basic need for being seen and being heard and validated and supported in like safe ways. And another example I can think of is like, I know a lot of us connect with people based on our interests, right? So what if your interests aren't really safe right now? What if your interests at this point in time are maybe unsafe extracurricular activities, right? And so we end up gravitating towards people that we meet at bars or that we meet um, in like a party scene, for example. Um, But if you can think of another way that you, you know, that your interests are maybe not like something that's safe for you right now, um, what's a way, like what type of people are you connecting with? And is that really in your best interest? And again, like never any judgment from me, you know, I've been through a whole lot. (laughs) I've been through a lot of the stuff that I talk about. Um, but it's kind of like peeling back those superficial things and finding out like, okay, what (laughs) at the end of all this shit, like what is best for me? And oftentimes that it can be helpful to look at like that innocent part of yourself or like that anxious part or that scared part of yourself and be like, okay, what do I need? And the person that's going to help me get there, like, what do they look like? Not physically, but what what qualities do they have? What qualities in a person am I craving? All right. And moving on to logistics. So how to find these people if you need to start from scratch. So I guess the first thing that I'll say is we live in a digital age and we don't necessarily need to fight that. Yes, we need to be smart about it. We don't want to be going meeting random people and, you know, being unsafe about it. We want to be safe. We want to tell, you know, tell somebody that you're going to go meet somebody from the internet, right? You want to do it in public, things like that. Be smart about it. But there are online services out there and there's no shame in in using them. I think a lot of adults feel, find themselves in a position where they need to use these online services such as Bumble BFF. I definitely know of people that have made friends through Bumble BFF. Um, You want to try to be authentic with your profile. You don't want to like be showing off or anything like that. I mean, yes, you want to be confident and and you want to like, but you want to try to paint like a good picture of yourself and interact with these people as authentically as possible. Um, Meetup's been around for forever. So basically, I think it's just meetup.com and you basically type in your interests and you can Um, join groups or you can just I don't I forget like what all of the different 
options are, but essentially you're trying to meet people and groups of people that share interests with you. So whether that's like hiking and let's say you just moved to a new area, you're going to type in like your area and you're going to type in those interests and hopefully you meet people that are cool (laughs) and nice. Most importantly, nice, right? And then of course, Facebook groups. So again, Facebook groups can be very, very broad or very specific. Um, So again, if you know the type of people um, that you want to meet up with or like get to know, uh, you can connect using like mutual um, characteristics or interests. Um, I don't know, for example, if you're like a person of color that's new to town in a particular area, um, trying to find maybe a Facebook group for that. And maybe they have like a knitting group or something. I don't know. So try to get creative, try to maybe like journal and write down what are your interests? Like what are some safe hobbies that you have or that you wouldn't mind trying, um, where you feel like, Oh, I could actually, I could see myself doing this thing with other people. And then I'll just quickly mention that there are communities that already exist. And I want to give a disclaimer. Um, It is important to check in with yourself first and do some of that inner child work to see what feels authentic to you. Um, Because, for example, religious groups. You know, that's super common. There are so many religions out there. Maybe you were born into a religion. And if, 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 if that feels right for you, going back to, to that church or synagogue or religious service and, and trying to meet people that way. However, obviously, if, if that doesn't feel authentic to you, if you have religious trauma or if you're just not quite sure that that's the avenue to go down, don't listen to me. (laughs) Moving right along. Um, Again, this is pretty similar, but 12-step meetings, there are plenty out there. Um, Whether you identify with wanting to like take a break from drinking and you want to try going to AA meetings, whether you feel like you do struggle with codependency and you want to try going to Al-Anon or CODA meetings. So I think that stands for Codependence Anonymous. So If you were to look it up, it's you type in C-O-D-A or drugs, obviously, N-A meetings. Um, There's also adult children of alcoholics. It was formerly called that, but now they've actually changed the name to adult children of alcoholic and dysfunctional families. So I feel like a lot of people fall into that category Um, and... I believe that most of those meetings, you know, if maybe you've tried a different 12-step group and you're like, okay, well, this is a little bit rigid for me, um, the ACOA meetings are less so. Um, so it's kind of like get get what you need out of it. And yeah, I mean, totally, again, like up to you, whether you feel like that's a good a good fit for you or not but again they come with built-in communities that like you're encouraged and I encourage you to to utilize that and um, interact in that way and then again I mean you can access these things through Facebook or meetup or whatever but if you are into sports 
for example, rock climbing, all the rock climbing gyms that I've been to, like people tend to be pretty open to just like chatting. Like if I'm ever in a mood where I feel like, hey, I want to be social and I don't necessarily like have anyone in mind that I want to talk to, I can go to or I used to go to my like local rock climbing gym and I could strike up a conversation with someone. And I don't know what it is about the rock climbing community. And I'm sure there are so many stories of where this is not true. But um, if that comes to your mind, but, you know, so far, I feel like most people are in a rock climbing gym to like collaborate and work on things together. Um, so if you are interested in trying a new sport or if you already have a sport that you really like doing, sort of casually, I would say is like the best mentality to go into it. If it's like fun for you, not necessarily competitive. I mean, whatever. If you connect with people, if you tend to connect with people in a healthy way through some competition, then totally fine. So yeah, so if sports is your thing, that might be a great way to meet people. Um, and then yeah, art classes is another example. Um, just joining, like signing up for an art class, whether it's like pottery or painting, um, and just like see who you see. And for all of these things, like not putting any pressure on yourself to meet like your best friend, just keeping an open mind and, and people watching a little bit and seeing kind of what happens and showing up as best you can and just kind of like no, not putting too much pressure on it. I think it's important. All right, so let's wrap up. Um, again, I'm on Instagram. My handle is samantha.j.curt. My last name is spelled C-U-R-T. I post interactive stories, or I've been trying to keep up with that, where I ask um, how you've been, how you've been feeling about these episodes, and uh, kind of what you're looking for me to cover next. And you can always DM me to suggest topics. Um, or just say hi. So that's going to be it for today. And if you're here and you're listening to this, I'm very grateful that you've spent this time with me. And I'm also proud of you, as you should be for yourself, for taking the time out of your day to reflect on these, you know, kind of big topics. And uh, I hope you got at least something out of it. All right, I'll talk to you next week.